How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Excellent. One time uh, at a previous church when, when, that I was at, um, we had a community-wide event called a Singspiration, where people would come and sing songs about Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus and different things like that. And, um, and it got typoed in the bulletin as a Singspiration. And so all the churches in the community were coming together for a Singspiration. Um, I had a guy gave me a hard time. He goes, I am no way participating in your Singspiration, Pastor. I, don't, I won't do that. This morning, we're, uh, we're entering into our series uh, last week on sin. We're calling it the Sin Series. Uh, sin's not, an exci- not a, a real great topic to talk about. None of us really want to talk about this. It's something that we'd just rather keep kind of secret in our own lives and just say, you know, let's just not bring it out to the forefront and all of those kind of things. But you know what? In, the most powerful aspect of sin is that when it is kept in secret, it is powerful. But when it is exposed... It loses its power. And this morning we're going to look at sin. And if you would bow your heads with me before we get to God's word, I just want to pray and just open our hearts to whatever God would uh, do this morning and that we would be ready to receive all that he has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, God, knowing that um, the things that you desire to do are greater than the things that we would want to accomplish. So God, we turn over our will our desire, and we ask, God, that you would speak in a powerful way. God, we know that you are sinless, and God, our lives um, in the human flesh, we we struggle with sin. God, we need your um, continual help. So God, we are asking for that in this moment, that God, spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would speak to our hearts and we would be ready to receive all that you have for us this morning, we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Most of us could stand up and recite the Pledge of Allegiance right now. But do we really know what pledging allegiance is? The definition of to pledge, the word pledge, means a binding commitment. Allegiance means this. It has two definitions. The act of binding yourself intellectually or emotionally to a course of action. The second definition is the loyalty that citizens owe to their country or subjects to their sovereign. No one would ever choose to bind themselves to sin. Or would they? Sin is a ruthless taskmaster whom we pledge allegiance to through our obedience to it. God warns us today that when you pledge allegiance to, or what you pledge allegiance to, ultimately you choose to obey. So be very careful and choose wisely today. Because what you choose to obey is what you pledge your allegiance to. This morning, I want to take our Bibles today, and if you could turn with me to Romans chapter 6, continuing our sin series in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 12. But I don't know uh, everyone in the room today. But most of the people that show up on a Sunday morning, for the most part, 
are either heading towards having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they would consider themselves a Christian. Now, today, what we have to keep in mind is that Paul, writing to the Romans, is writing directly to Christians. These are church people. These are people that want to uphold the tenets of faith. They want to, uh, you know, serve Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Paul has to remind them of certain things. Paul is writing to this church, and uh, I, I think it's important that we remember that he is not writing to, to people who are... Um, who don't know Jesus. He's not writing to people that are way uh, out doing their own thing, but he's actually writing to Christians. So if we were to look at this and we were to say, okay, he really is speaking to us. Sometimes when we read these, this passage of Scripture, we think about other people. Could you this morning, rather than thinking other people that this applies to, could you look into your own heart and your own mind and you would say, God, how is this applying to me personally, rather than thinking about your neighbor or your, I wish my son was here right now or something like that, but rather we would say, you know what, how is this, how is God speaking to my heart this morning? So this is where we start, Romans chapter 6, starting at verses 12 and 13, and we're just going to go verse by verse through this. Verse 12, reading the New Living Translation, it says, do not or don't let sin control the way that you live. Do not Give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Key word here, instead. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So Paul opens with three pretty clear commands right off the start here. He says, do not, do not, do not. The first one is this. He says, do not let sin control the way that you live. Other translations say, don't let sin reign in your life. Don't give it a place of authority. Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase, the message says, don't give sin a vote on the way that you conduct your life. Don't give it a vote. Don't let it weigh in. Paul goes on to say, the second one is do not give in to sinful desires. Okay, so if you have sinful desires that try and come up and drag you away and entice you like it talks about in James chapter 1, you have a choice here, the Bible says. And you don't have to give in to it. It's much like my cravings for pizza and maple donuts like they have in the cafeteria every Sunday morning or in the cafe Yeah, I like maple donuts. Do I have to give in to maple donuts? I don't have to, but I like to. (laughs) You know what, the same way with sin sometimes, right? That we don't have to. It says it's a choice here. We don't have to, but unfortunately, sometimes we want to. And Paul is saying to Christians, he says, listen, guys, when, when, when sin comes knocking at your door, you don't have to. You don't have to go there. You don't have to uh, be trapped in bondage. Because just because you desire something doesn't mean that it's good for you, doesn't mean that you should give in to it. So it says, do not give in to your sinful desires. The third one that he says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument, or the Greek word for instrument here, or weapon, 
of sin. Don't let your heart or emotions become an instrument that sin can use. Don't let your mouth become an instrument for sin to use. Don't let your sexual desire become an instrument for sin to use. But instead, the Bible says, Instead, that's a, that's a big word. If you write in your Bibles or you highlight on your electronic device, that'd be a great word to highlight right there. Instead, Paul's saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but instead, do this. Give yourself completely to God. Say completely. Completely. That means all. Everything. Just give yourself completely over to God's control and what he wants. Could it be that the greatest struggle with sin is really not with sin, but actually with a Christian's ability to completely give themselves over to God? Could that be the struggle here? Think about it. If we really trusted God, would we end up in some of the sin troubles that we end up or find ourselves in? Think about it. If someone steals, or let's make it more, let's hit a little closer to home for Christians because Christians don't go into a department store per se and grab things and take them and steal them, but, but maybe you're not straight on your taxes. Careful, pastor. You're stealing from the government. Why, why would a person like that say, well, what, what it is, is the motive in our mind is that I need this money in order to continue to live. So what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you to provide enough for my family that I need to cheat it out of someone else in order to provide for myself. Could it be the fact that we're not completely trusting God, therefore we fall into sin? Think about another area, maybe a person who isn't married and they're very lonely and they're wanting some form of sexual fulfillment in their lives, so they go out and they're having premarital sex on the side. And what are you saying to God when you're doing that? Is that just between you and the person that you're doing that action with? Is it just a person-to-person thing? Maybe it's the fact that you're saying to God, God, I don't trust you to provide the right person as my spouse within the right time frame. I don't trust you, God. So I'm going to take it on myself. And I'm going to fulfill all of those desires rather than having them fulfilled through the marriage relationship that God designed and the perfect person that God created for you. Paul breaks it down pretty clear. He says, don't give yourself over to the control of sin. Don't give in. Don't become sin's little puppet. Instead, give yourself over completely to God. Instead, use your body as an instrument for God's glory, it says. Use all that you have for him. Yield to his purposes. You were dead at one point when you would gratify the lust of the flesh, but now you're alive in Jesus Christ. You're born again. It's a fresh start. You have a new life to devote to God completely and wholly. The best part about this new life is that because Jesus died on the cross, you were set free from the bondage of sin. If you look back a couple of verses in Romans chapter 6, if you flip back in your Bible, in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. It's done. We're not sin's slave. 
Paul restates this fact in verse 14. Read on, guys, 6 verse 14. It says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. He's saying to these Christians, at one point you were trying to earn your salvation by going through the motions, by doing good and and becoming good enough. You were under the law. You were slaves to sin. Sin had dominion over your life. It had authority to master your life. You could not help but sin. It was your sinful nature. But now, it's different. It's different when you've come to Christ. It's changed. You're now living And knowing that Christ's accomplished work on the cross is enough and it has set you free. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 uh, on the screen this morning, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. So all of the things that you tried to do to accomplish being good enough wasn't good enough. But God instead, he saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's a gift. When you live in the freedom of God's grace, but there are people that get confused at this point. They get a little bit confused thinking in their mind somehow they think because they live in the freedom of God's grace and God loves me so much that I can do anything that I want. I can sin as much as I want because God loves me. You ever heard that one? That people say, I don't have to be responsible for the way that I live because God loves me. I don't have to be responsible. Can I just tell you this morning, if you get one thing this morning, I need you to get this. That is absolutely incorrect and unbiblical, period. That's incorrect and unbiblical. In fact, if we look at this, guys, the freedom that God has given us has been given, it's not the freedom to sin, but it's actually the freedom to choose not to sin. That's the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's good. All right. We'll get that next time with the clapping, so uh, we'll get that together. You see, guys, when we, before we knew Jesus Christ, we couldn't help ourselves. We were slaves to sin. It just happened. Uh, uh, it, it was, slave was our master, or, or sin was our, our slave and our master. Do you guys remember, I don't know, some of you, have, if you're saved out of a life of sin and, and God radically touched your life, do you remember some of the things? You look back upon those things. I don't know how many people do this, but sometimes I get trapped in that and I remember some of the things that I used to do before I surrendered to Jesus Christ, and I kind of do one of these. Ooh. It's almost like a flashback, like, like I just go, oh man, how, how was I doing some of that kind of stuff? And listen, by no means am I perfect right now. Those of you that really know me, you know that already, <laughs> okay? But the thing of it is, is that here's the cool part about it. When Jesus Christ transformed my life, at that point, I was no longer a slave to sin. Slave, sin was no longer my master. It did not force me to do these things. You see, the freedom that we are given when a person is born again is the freedom to choose whether I sin or not. So now, I choose to sin because I want to. 
not because I have to. It's the donut thing all over again, right? Right? It's not that I, I don't have to have the maple donut. I don't walk in there and go, oh man, somebody, Dan the donut man did it again, hallelujah. I'm gonna walk up there, I have to have one of these donuts. I have to. No, I just choose to. See, here's the thing with Christians, is we don't like to hear this. It sounds terrible, but it's true. Now, when I sin, I sin because I want to, not because I have to. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. So, the freedom that Christ gives is not a sin-for-free card, okay? We just need to know that. It's actually, sin is no longer your master card, so now you choose how you live your life. So, verse 15, is, is, this, do, is this true, Pastor Sheldon? Verse 15 tells us. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can just go on sinning? What's it say? Of course not. That would be ridiculous, Paul says. That, that, that isn't the case. Should we just go on sinning? Of course not. When you understand that Paul is trying to get the message to us that we now have a choice because of the power of Jesus Christ in our life, that sin no longer has authority in our life, but Jesus has given us that authority, we are now in the driver's seat, it almost creates a greater sense of weight upon our shoulders when we understand that principle, a desire to serve God and not to serve sin with our lives. But this next verse is the game changer in this whole passage. This next verse changes everything. Verse 16 warns us that as Christians, that the choice of whether to sin or not is a powerful choice. It determines direction, destiny, and eternity. It determines direction, destiny, and eternity in a Christian's life when you choose, when you stand at the why. Let's read verse 16 together. It says this, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing passage here. It it just, the choice of being or the choice of obeying is really the choice of who you're going to serve. The choice is really of who you want to be your master. Are you submitting to their authority by choice, basically? Be careful, because whatever you're choosing to obey, you become its slave. So it's like you can choose your way all the way back to slavery. You can choose your way all the way back to being entrapped in a sinful lifestyle. Why do Christians end up in habitual sin? If we choose to obey our sinful desires over God's plan, what we're doing is ultimately we're saying, sin, will you please become my master? To enslave us. You see, there are a lot of people who run away from the church 
Why? Because they want freedom. They're searching for freedom. I'll give you a scenario. I've seen it many times. Person wants to experience life to the fullest. They don't want any rules, regulations whatsoever. They're just going to go and do their own thing. They're going to live their life out at the fullest. They go and they party and they live it up. And all of a sudden it ends in what they get back from that is pain and regret and all of the things that come with that. And they end up in a situation where they realize maybe, maybe God had something better for my life than I had for it. And when they come to their senses, they come to the place where they say, God, maybe I need to live for you. Maybe living for you is the best way. In fact, Jesus tells a parable very similar to this, doesn't he? In Luke chapter 15, the son wants his freedom. So he goes to his father and he says, listen, father, I want my freedom. I want my inheritance. He goes off and takes his inheritance, blows the whole thing on riotous living until all of the money runs out. And at that moment, he goes and he begins to feed the pigs. The Bible says that he gets so hungry at that moment that he actually begins to long for the food that the pigs are eating, that he would like to reach down, that he would like to get down on his hands and knees and begin to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. At this moment, the Bible says he comes to his senses. And this is what he says. The young man comes to his senses and he says, even my dad's servants have food to spare, so I'll go back and I'll tell my dad this. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but if you'll take me back, I'm willing to be your servant. Now catch this, guys. This is important. The young man realized that it would be better to be a servant to the father than a slave to sin. It's going to be way better, way better to be a servant to the father but a slave to sin. And many times we in our Christian lives, we come to our realization and we say, God, I realize at this point, okay, I'll serve you, I'll be your servant, but you haven't read the rest of the parable because he comes back, he's got his line all planned and his heart is changed and he comes back and he's ready to say, God, or he's ready to say, God is the father in the, in the parable, but he's ready to say, Father, I'm sorry that I sinned against you. I've done all of these things. Can I just be a servant? He doesn't even get the words out of his mouth. Before he gets the words out of his mouth, his father sees him a long ways off and he runs to him and he wraps his arms around him and he says, my son has returned. And he reinstates him to a place of honor and authority in the family. And he loves him. And he shows everyone else that, that my son was dead, but now he's alive. And so many times, guys, we settle for a life that's picking through the pods that the pigs are eating. If you're doing that right now, listen to me today. Come to your senses. God is calling out to you. Would you just say, God, a servant to God is way better than a slave to sin. And when you come back to God, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you right now. We've all been at the pig pen, right? I distinctly remember the taste of the pods. Verse 17, thank God Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching that we have given you. 
Thanks be to God. We were all once slaves to sin, but now. Wholeheartedly, the Bible says, this word means to obey from the heart, to desire to obey, to enthusiastically yield. Enthusiastically yield. Like the sun coming home, enthusiastic that I might get a meal or something like that. Enthusiastically yielding to the Father's authority and he sees transformation, restoration, and healing. You have been set free by Jesus Christ. You see, guys, if someone tells you that they can live any way that they want because they have taken communion, they've been baptized, or that God is a loving God, they obviously haven't read this part of the Bible because it tells us clearly that if we need to be careful and not just flippantly obey, because if we flippantly obey sin, it can become an enslavement in our heart. But we need to wholeheartedly, enthusiastically obey God with our whole heart. Not that it's a bunch of rules and regulations, but it's out of love for the Father. That's what it's about. It's about a loving relationship with God. You see, verse 18 says, now you are free from your slavery of sin. Paul declares it right here. And you have become slaves to righteous living. You have been set free by Jesus Christ from the slavery, the forced slavery that you surrendered yourself under. And you serve God by choice. Remember verse 16, it says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? So choose wisely. Choose wisely. Guys, I'm praying that this week as you are in your life and you're going through the motions of all of the things that you normally do, that you're going to come up this week. I'm hoping that you'll come up face-to-face with sin. And that in that moment, face-to-face, the sin is going to come to you. And I pray that you would remember the word of God today. And that you would come to the realization, you would look sin in the eyes and you would say, listen, I am choosing for you not to be the master of my life. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus Christ. How do we apply this to our lives today? How do we take this information? Let's get some of these things clear. We've all struggled with sin. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, you won't believe this. Just say that. You you won't believe this. But I struggled with sin once, one time. (laughs) Say the rest. I struggled with sin once, one time. It was a long time ago. (laughs) So we're all in the same boat, right? We are. Every person in the room here, myself included, all of us, we've all struggled with sin. All of us. We, in fact, there's actually a good thing about the fact that you struggle with sin. If we all struggle with sin in this room, if you are struggling with sin right now, that you wrestle, there's a wrestling match to do what is right and to struggle against what is wrong, whether you win or lose is really not the point this morning. 
Okay? The point is this. The fact that, a, that in your mind a battle wages over sin shows that God has already done something in your life. It shows that in many cases you have been born again. Because if you didn't struggle with sin, it'd be your master. If there's no struggle that goes on, you, you would just do it in, inherently. You would, just, you would just go after it. You would just, but the fact that you have a struggle, that there's a fight going on inside of you, is a good thing. It means that God is in control of your life. It means that you are, you are not allowing sin to become your master. In fact, the fact that you struggle with sin reveals that you have new life in Christ. And this is why Charles Spurgeon said, dead men don't wrestle. Dead men don't wrestle with sin. They just do it. They just headlong into it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Dead men don't wrestle. What he meant by that is if you're dead in your sin, then there's no battle. If you were a slave to sin, you wouldn't have a choice. The fact that we, the fact that we struggle, even if it's on a daily basis, to remain pure, to serve God, to live a righteous life, shows that we are alive in Jesus Christ, and the battle is on every single day. The struggle is actually good news, because the fact that you're in a struggle with sin on a daily basis shows you still have the ability to choose. That's powerful. It's powerful. But I think the toughest question is what happens if a, if a Christian senses that they are trapped in a habitual sin and actually get to the place of feeling powerless of a certain thing in their life? You see, when we allow sin to master us, th- this is biologically proven. When we allow sin to master us, it wears a path in our brain. It wears a chemical path in our brain. It, like, like talking about addiction or, or those kind of things, it wears a path in our brain. It's proven with prescription drugs, it's proven with, uh, with alcohol, with pornography, all kinds of things. All of these things, it wears a path in our brain so that we end up in a certain situation we automatically re- remember where we've been before and we go immediately to that path. It's almost as if we get to the point where we can't really choose anymore and that path is worn so many times in our brain that when we get in a situation of stress, we get in a situation of hardship, we get in a situation we immediately go to the path. And we go there. I have great news for you this morning. If you feel like you're trapped in habitual sin, and you've worn a path in your brain by your own choices, this is good news. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. In other translations, it says, by renewing your mind by making your mind new again. 
all of the paths, all of the brokenness, all of the things that we have tried to curb the hurt and the pain inside of us. The Bible says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God change and transform your mind and your thinking and the way that you live, a complete and whole transformation. Maybe you're here this morning. You say that I I feel sense that I'm trapped in in an area of sin. I want you to understand this morning, guys, that God can bring freedom and liberty in those areas. Courtney, why don't you come at this time? We're going to continue to do some ministry, and I, I want to just, I want us to, to, to take a authority over this area, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone in, in any way this morning. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have you come up to the front or anything, because sin is kind of embarrassing. It's a little bit embarrassing. None of us wants to admit that we have a pathway in our brain because we have done, made bad choices all the time. No one wants, it's not like weight gain. No one wants to admit that I had too many maple donuts, right? So this is what we're going to do this morning. I want everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning for the, in this, at this moment right now. Quietly, Courtney is just going to play And we're just going to begin to open our heart to the Holy Spirit right now. And we're going to deal with this area, this one area in particular of of habitual sin in in a Christian's life. This is a touchy subject. There are some people that would blatantly say to you that, that this does not exist, that a Christian can't have habitual sin. Unfortunately, I know that to be true. I've seen God deliver me in areas that I needed a pathway changed in my mind. I needed God to bring healing and transformation and newness of life. So if that's you this morning, we're just gonna pray a very simple prayer this morning. And we're, we're just gonna do it in our heart so that no one around you is necessarily hearing what you're saying or doing. But right now in your heart, if you're struggling with a a habitual type sin, something that continues to plague you, and you feel as though you've lost mastery over even the choice, that's you this morning. You'd pray a prayer would simply go something like this in your heart. Lord Jesus, God, would you forgive me today of, and then you fill in the blank, of allowing this thing to master me by choosing over and over to obey this sin. And God, would you come and separate me from this sin? God, I know that you died on the cross for me. The blood of Jesus was shed so that I didn't have to live in sin. And God, I feel like the choice isn't really mine anymore. But God, right now, I repent of this sin. I renounce and break anything, any hold that the enemy has on my life in the powerful name of Jesus. I take back mastery over this area through the authority of Jesus Christ in my life. And I evict that thing now in the powerful name of Jesus.
and I release it out of my life. I release it out of my life and I release the Holy Spirit to begin to flow and pour into my heart, pour into my mind, begin to remove those thoughts, begin to remove those pathways, begin to remove those patterns that I could live in freedom in my service to Jesus Christ. Guys, the the powerful attribute of the fact that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ wholeheartedly, what it does is it gives us the access and the power to choose not to sin. So each time you have an opportunity to slip back into your patterns of sin or each time you're confronted with sin as a choice, remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross to give you that choice. In your own strength and in our own power, we seem somewhat weak and powerless towards the things of sin. But with Christ, we have all that we need to stand. 1 John 4 says, the one that's in us is greater than the one that is in the world. So according to this passage in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 18, it says this, we don't need to allow sin to control us. We don't have to give in to sinful desires. We don't have to let our bodies be an instrument to serve sin. We don't have to go on sinning. We don't have to be a slave to sin. But we can give ourselves completely over to God. Instead, give yourself completely over to God. We can use our bodies as instruments to do what is right for God's glory. We can live in the freedom of God's grace. We can choose to obey God. We can be free from the slavery of sin. We can surrender ourselves to righteous living. Sin is a merciless taskmaster. But Jesus Christ defeated sin on the cross When we surrender our lives and submit to Jesus Christ's authority, sin loses its power over us. Then each time sin comes knocking, we have the power to choose. Verse 16 is the most powerful part of our whole sermon this morning. It says, realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. So this is what I would like us to do this morning. Could we close today? Just beginning to wholeheartedly turning our lives over to Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as a congregation? And could we just begin to to worship God? Could we just begin to, to praise him and love him? Could we just lift our voices right now and just begin to worship him? Hallelujah, Jesus. We magnify you, Lord. Great and mighty and awesome. God, we want to wholeheartedly choose you today. God, we want to run after you. We don't want to be enslaved or entrapped in the things, Lord Jesus, uh, that the world has to offer, that our old lives have to offer, all of those things. But today, God, we wholeheartedly, we want to chase after you. We want to love you, God.
just want us to take a couple minutes. We've still got a little bit of time. I just want to take a couple minutes. Just kind of be quiet before the Lord. We just begin to worship him today. Just begin to thank him for the things that he has done in our lives. Could we, could we wholeheartedly and enthusiastically begin to just go after him? Just close your eyes where you're at and begin to, to hunger after God. Begin to, to thank him. Begin to praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Once we were slaves to sin, but now we wholeheartedly search after you and run after you and love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence to flood over our hearts this morning, Lord. To flood over our hearts today, oh God. To wash our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, even as David said, Lord, to see if there be any wicked way in me, God, search my heart and know my heart today, God. sense like God wants to do more this morning. He just wants to uh, 
He wants, maybe there are people in this room that, that you haven't wholeheartedly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And, and God is tugging on your heart for you to release some things in your heart right now. Would you turn those things over to him today? Would you just turn those things over to Jesus Christ right now? God, we just declare in our lives today, Lord Jesus, the utter surrender that we need towards you, God. God, we declare those things, Lord Jesus, in our own lives, the the areas that would try and enslave us, the areas that would try and trip us up, the areas that would try and uh, drag us away. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would... um, that you would wholeheartedly this morning, God, come and and fill our lives. We want to enthusiastically serve you. We want to enthusiastically chase after you and run after you and desire the things of you, God. God, we thank you for the choice that you have given us, Lord Jesus, the freedom that we live in, the freedom not to go about our lives in any fashion, but the freedom, Lord, to serve you, the freedom to choose to love you, the freedom, God, that we have, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So this morning, God, we surrender ourselves afresh and anew to you, God. In this moment, Lord Jesus, we declare victory in our lives. We declare freedom, Lord Jesus. God, we declare uh, uh, the, the ability to choose and choose wisely the master in which we serve. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would serve you with reckless abandon. That, God, we would, we would choose you as, as our father, as, our, as the one that we would want to be master and leader and Lord of our life today, God. So, Father, we just thank you for that ability, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would continue working in the hearts of every individual in this room. That, God, we would continually be more like you. We would continually want to know you in a greater capacity. We would continually eagerly and and passionately and enthusiastically want to serve you and love you and know you more, God. Whatever stage we're at, Lord Jesus, that we would be drawn towards you with wholeness, we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Remember this week, guys, when you have the opportunity, when somebody comes knocking at your door, remember that you're a slave to whatever you choose to allow to master you. So choose wisely. Lord bless you guys.